Hello and greetings everyone. I'm Pastor Edwin Strickland and I serve as the Senior Pastor of Fellowship of Champions Church International, a worldwide ministry helping people to learn to live out their God-given dreams by walking in love and living by faith. And I get to be your host and your guide for this exciting journey that we're about to take that we call Ed Talk with Pastor Strick. Hello, 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 hello. How are you guys doing this afternoon? So glad that you have decided once again to join me for another episode of Ed Talk. I am your boy, Pastor Strick, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Today will be uh, the final episode of Ed Talk for season one. So I appreciate those of you who have been hopping on. Goodness, the last 12 episodes uh, who've been not only jumping on live, but maybe watching replay. Uh, I appreciate that so much. Listen, you guys know every time we come on a broadcast, we ask you to do a couple things. And so today's not any different. I'm going to ask you to please help me with some social media outreach. What do I mean? I mean, I like for you to tag some of your friends, your family members, uh, FOC partners, tag some of the partners you may not see on the broadcast. Uh, get them over here because we're going to have a great conversation today and you don't want to miss it. Also, as you know, one of the things we ask you to do when you come on is we ask you to go ahead and hashtag the word live. Some of you are already doing it. I see Santrice is doing it. Kim is doing it. Miss Green is doing it. Uh, Irene is doing it. Lisa's doing it. Tina's doing it. I appreciate you guys so much. Go ahead and hashtag live. If you're watching it live, you'll know that because you'll see a small red box in your upper left-hand corner. Uh, if you don't see that red box, not a problem. You missed the live, but you can catch us on replay. And then also go ahead and let us know where you are watching from. I see people who are tagging from Arkansas and from Maryland and Illinois, uh, Texas, Mississippi, and Alabama. Uh, I appreciate you guys letting us know where you're watching from. Tennessee is in the house. Pastor Sean and I actually go back in about every two to three weeks we look at all of the various uh, broadcasts that we do, the ones that I do the, for Ed Talk, what she does for Strategies for Success, what Fellowship of Champions does during the week. And we just make a tally of all the different uh, states that show up. And we try to just see uh, where this broadcast is impacting the most, uh, because that means a lot to us. And we want to make sure that if we have a large group of people in a certain area, uh, that we are reaching out to the people in that area uh, as we begin to look at expanding FOC uh, through our small group ministries that we're going to be working on the second half of this year. So again, if you haven't hashtag live or replay and you haven't hashtag your city and state, go ahead and do that. And then again, help me out with a little social media outreach so we can get some people over here to hear what we're going to be talking about today, which if you pay attention, you can see on the bottom of your screen, it is scrolling. We are talking about harnessing the power of consistency. How do you harness the power 
of consistency. Before I jump into that, I do have a couple announcements that I need to make. So let me make those announcements. Those of you, you know, I serve as one of the senior pastors of Fellowship of Champions Church International, along with my beautiful wife, Pastor Sean Strickland. And so we want to cordially invite each and every person who is watching or who will watch this broadcast to what to what is called our Champions Huddle. Our next Champions Huddle will be Sunday, July the 9th at 11 a.m. That is the Sunday after the 4th of July. Uh, so we're asking you to make your way to Northwest Arkansas and join us on our Fayetteville campus for our live in person service. Listen, if you enjoy watching us on Sundays, if you enjoy watching us on Wednesdays, if you enjoy having prayer with us on Wednesdays and Fridays, I am telling you, you want to be in the place. If you enjoy watching Christian Valley Worships on Sunday morning, and I don't know about you, but it certainly sets the mood for me every Sunday morning uh, before I have to either get up and teach or before I get to take in the word if I'm not teaching that Sunday. And if you feel the same way, you want to come and be a part of our live service. It's going to be Sunday, July 9th, at 11 a.m. Listen, I don't know about you, but my June schedule is so packed. I'm already thinking about July. And what do I think about in the month of July? You know it. Scholarship Sundays. I'm thinking about Scholarship Sunday. Our scholarship drive begins on July 1. It goes from July 1st through July 31st. Last year, we raised over $150,000 in 30 days in which to bless students with either $10,000 or $4,000 scholarships, depending on which one they were awarded. Here at Fellowship of Champions, we have two scholarships that we give out. One is called the James A. Young Memorial Scholarship. It is named in honor of Mr. James Young, who was a partner of our ministry until he went home uh, to be with the Lord. And we named a scholarship after him. And it is a scholarship about leadership and community service because that's what he was all about. That scholarship is worth $4,000 over the course of four years. It's paid out in $1,000 increments each year. And all students have to do to apply for that scholarship is be a graduating high school senior in the class of 2023 for this year. All they have to do is then write a short essay. Uh, that essay prompt can be found on our website. If you go to www.focchurch.com, again, that's www.focchurch.com. If you go to our website and scroll to the scholarship information, you'll see a large font. It tells you what the prompt is. All they have to do is write to that prompt, turn in their, um, their high school transcript, and two letters of recommendation that can come from, from a teacher, uh, a pastor, um, it can come from a coach, it can come from a mentor. We just want to have two people who can speak well of them and who know them. We want to make sure that they are graduating high school seniors and that they write the essay. And if they do that, uh, we have around right now, I think we have 10 or 11 of those $4,000 scholarships that we are able to issue out for this academic year. So uh, you have until June the 30th. You have until June 30th in order for students and scholars to get that information to the scholarship committee. Um, there's a there's a note on, I believe, my page or the note on the church's page. There's several notes out there telling students how to apply. We ask you to share it. Share it on your social media. Get the word out. I think the last time I looked, we only had had five or six people who had actually applied. 
I know it's still early, so uh, they still have time until June 30th, as I said, before the scholarship committee will close the door on the scholarship this year. And then we also have our $10,000 scholarship, uh, which we give out to those who are actually partners of Fellowship of Champions. Those uh, students who are partners of FOC, they are the ones who are eligible to receive those academic and leadership scholarship, which is in the amount of $10,000. Uh, since we started doing these scholarships back in 2016, uh, we are a little over $200,000 in awarded scholarships. And uh, I don't know if, if that makes anybody else excited, but it certainly, certainly makes me excited to think that a church um, you know, our size with the number of people that we have and, 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 and what we've been through with COVID and everything else, that we've still been able to help to help students uh, go to college and stay in college in some cases because we've raised funds that don't even involve our scholarship to help other kids stay in school when they were facing academic uncertainty due to financial issues. So big shout out to everybody who gives to the scholarship fund. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. This is near and dear to my heart. You'll hear me talk more about it uh, in, in the weeks to come. But I just want to remind you that our scholarship drive does start July 1st and goes through uh, the 31st. As I said, this is our last Ed Talk of this season. Woo! Glory to God. <laughs> this will be our 13th episode, uh, and, and we'll take a couple weeks break, and then we'll come back with season two. We'll come back with season two, but that will not start uh, until July the 7th. So the next Ed Talk after today uh, will be on July 7th, and we will kick that off with season two. That will also be the same day uh, that we will be doing Relationships 101. Ed Talk is at noon and Relationships 101 will be uh, the next Tuesday. I'm sorry, the next Tuesday, I believe that is uh, the 11th. I may have my dates wrong on that. I know that Tuesday, July, it's, the, it's not the 7th, it's the 11th. It's the 11th, that's the wrong date. Ed Talk will start July 11th, not the 7th. Um, and Relationships 101 is the same day. Uh, which is Tuesday, July 11th at 7 p.m. So season two, let me start it all over. Season two of Ed Talk will start July 11th, okay? It's the same day that Relationships 101, uh, our next Relationships 101 would kick off, which I believe we are doing via Zoom because everybody wanted to see each other's faces. And so there's going to be some information coming out to register for that, but that's going to be fun. But that's going to be Relationships 101 on Tuesday, July the 11th at 7 p.m. And so those are just the quick announcements I wanted to make. Once again, Scholarship Drive, July 11th. Next season of Ed Talk and Relationships 101 to start on July 11th. And then just a reminder, inviting you to our next huddle. Inviting you to our next huddle, which is on July the 9th. July the 9th. Okay. All right. Listen, I appreciate you guys so much for being here. Let's get into uh, today's teaching because I am super excited about it. We're going to be talking about harnessing the power of consistency. And again, if you haven't shared this yet, uh, please do so. Go ahead and do that. Um, I don't know how many of you on here watch strategies for success yesterday probably most of you and if you didn't watch it live you probably had a chance to go watch it via replay if you didn't i'm encouraging you to go back and watch it because pastor sean was talking about uh faith 
and in particular, growing your faith. And uh, I had the opportunity, sometimes I'm moving about and I'm listening to it when I'm in the car, moving back and forth. Yesterday, my schedule was pretty clear. And so I had the opportunity to actually just sit down uh, and listen to it. And it was interesting because so much of what she was talking about, she talked about getting back to the basics, right? And then when you need to uh, re-up on anything, you need to go back to the basics. And so she was talking about growing your faith. It's about a 90-minute teaching in total. You know, that's what beginning, intro, outro, all of that, about 90 minutes. And I encourage you to find the time to go back and listen to that if you haven't. It was really good. And in talking about growing her faith, one of the things that the Lord began to talk to me about was about this idea of consistency. Because while you may be able to learn all of the principles of faith, and while you might be able to, to walk some of those principles out, unless you learn to do it with consistency, it will always be an albatross around your neck pulling you down because you'll know what to do. You'll know what you should do. And in some cases, you'll even know how to do it. But if you don't do it consistently, it's almost like those other things didn't even exist. And so today we're going to talk about the power of consistency. And I think it's such an uh, it's, it's so it's so apropos for us to finish up with a teaching uh, of this magnitude in light of all that we've done for Ed Talk. I was thinking about it and I was looking back at some of the teachings that we've done. And if you've missed it, it's okay. If you didn't know we were doing this, that's okay. I had some people reach out last week and say, I didn't even know you were doing Ed Talk. And I get that somewhat. Um, you know, we announce that <laughs> every week though. So unless you're just not paying attention or you're not aware, maybe it slipped your mind. I don't know. But however you missed it, you missed it. But uh, it, not to worry. Uh, I am working to be able to, when I finish today, we'll have an entire season uh, that is put together. And after we have that entire season put together, uh, I am going to launch the podcast with season one already intact. And what you'll be able to do, those of you that want to, uh, you will also have a means or method to be able to access uh, my own personal notes for every single lesson. Now, those of you who know me, I get teased for having excessive notes. Uh, those notes will be a little condensed, uh, but they will still have all of my uh, talking points and some of my thinking points. Uh, and so for those of you that are, are interested in, in getting a collection of an entire curriculum, really, uh, season one is an entire curriculum of lessons uh, designed to help move you from a place of uh, mediocrity to a place of excellence. And you'll be able to not only download every episode uh, that you missed, and you'll be able to access uh, those notes uh, in PDF form. Now, someone asked, why is that important? Well, I've had a couple of people reach out and say, hey, you know, I attend X, Y, and Z church. The things that you and Pastor Sean are teaching are things that I think people should know. I'm responsible for, for a, a, they call it a sale group or a community group. And I'd really like to be able to, to, to teach or to lead a study on what you've talked about. 
Um, but I, I can't do it necessarily just by the video. I like to have the study questions and those kind of things. And so I've been working behind the scenes to put that together for you. So for those of you that are interested, um, stay tuned. OK, so what have we talked about in uh, season one? And then we'll get into today's teaching. But what have we talked about so far? Well, we kicked it off. We started talking about the power of belief. Uh, and, and I believe that that really set the stage for what we were going to be doing. I didn't even know it then over the course of these next uh, 13 weeks. Because if you don't believe, if you don't trust and believe, rely on uh, the things that the word of God says about you, right? About if I don't believe what he says about me, uh, then it puts me in a conundrum of having to always go back and forth about which way I'm going to be. It's like a ship being tossed to and fro in the winds. So we kicked it off with talking about the power of belief. And then we jumped right into how do we develop discipline? And how many of you know everybody needs discipline? If you don't, if you lack discipline, um, then every situation and circumstance that comes your way can get you off your game, right? And so we talked about how do we develop discipline? And then we went into week three and started talking about once we've developed that discipline, how do we keep at bay the enemy within, right? How do we overcome self-limiting beliefs? How do we overcome this, 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 this messaging that I have in the back of my head that keeps telling me what I can't do, that keeps telling me why I shouldn't do, that keeps telling me why I don't qualify, that keeps telling me why someone else is more deserving than I am. How do we quiet that noise? How do we eliminate that out of our lives? And so we talked about how to overcome those self-limiting beliefs, which pulled us right into the next week as we started talking about how to develop a growth mindset. That if I'm going to be the kind of person who doesn't allow the noise, who doesn't allow past conversations, who doesn't allow what, what my parents or, or my friends or my critics said about me to limit me, what am I going to have to do? And we talked about how to develop that growth mindset. We walked through step by steps and we looked at the difference between having a fixed mindset and having a growth mindset. And then once we did that, we came back and we started talking about, man, now that I got my mind right, right? Now that I got my mind right, now that I can quiet all of that verbiage is going on, all that noise that is circulating from uh, everything that everyone has ever said about me. Now what do I need to do? And so we talked about how to make excellence a habit. You know, they say that if, if nothing becomes a habit until you do it like 21 times and you have to do it with, with some consistency, which is what we're going to talk about today. You got to make excellence your habit. In other words, when I show up, I'm not showing up half cocked. I'm not trying to do a, a job just to get by. I'm not trying to do the bare minimum that whatever I commit myself to do, I'm going to do it with a degree of excellence to the level that I can do it. Now, maybe somebody has the ability to do it greater than me, but I'm going to do it to my highest level of ability. And so we talked about how to make excellence a habit. And then we talked about once you make excellence your habit, then it's easy to do this next thing we discussed, which is moving outside of your comfort zone. 
How do I move outside of my comfort zone? Well, you can't do it if you don't believe in yourself. You can't do it if you're not disciplined. You can't do it if you have self-limiting beliefs. And you can't do it if you have a fixed versus a growth, a growth mindset. And you can't do it if you're not a person of excellence. Listen, whatever you do, you have to do with excellence. And we said that if you could do those five things, Right. There was kind of we kind of set it up that if you could do those five things, then you could move outside your comfort zone. Then you can move out into the things that God is calling you to do. You know, and, and I and I said in that particular teaching that we're not talking about just what happens in church. We're talking about moving out of your comfort zone and, and into that investment that God's calling you into into that business that God's calling you into. Maybe God's called you to, 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 to step out and to do more uh, in your community, to help more, to develop more, to mentor more. Whatever it is that you were uncomfortable about, now that you believe in yourself, in the God, in the God in you, now that you have practiced being disciplined over time, now that you've got rid of all of that noise, all of those self-limiting beliefs, now that you got the right mindset so that even when, when situations and circumstance and obstacles come in your life, you're not saying, oh my God, I don't know what to do. You're saying, okay, here's an opportunity for me to figure out how to do something new, right? Because you have a, a growth mindset versus that fixed mindset. And then you become a person of excellence. And as you do, now it's easy to move outside of your comfort zone. And so we kind of took a break after we talked about moving out of our comfort zone. And then we jumped right into our taming series. Somebody says, why is he going through all this? Because I need you to know that when we're here on Ed Talk, we're not just talking haphazardly. We're connecting the pieces. We're connecting the dots. And it's why you ought to do whatever you got to do to clear your calendar to be here on Tuesdays at 12 noon. Because what I'm doing for you, my wife laughs at me because she's because she says you're such a teacher. I am. I don't believe in the randomness of just coming and talking to you. If I'm going to show up, I want to I want to start somewhere and I want to end somewhere. And what I'm trying to do in season one is to get you ready for what we're going to talk about in season two. So I'm not trying to till up old ground and old ways of thinking so that we can hit the ground sprinting. OK, I want to hit the ground sprinting in season two. And so then we came back with our taming series. And most of you, if you've been watching me for any length of time, if you've been attending our church for any length of time, you've heard me talk about the four things that you need to tame. And we walk through each one of those, right? The first thing we talked about is taming our thoughts, right? Taming our thoughts. That's Some of you already put them in the comment section because you know them and I'm glad you know them and I hope that you're working through them. We said you got to tame your thoughts. Joyce Meyer says that our mind is a battlefield and that we have to learn to win the war of our thoughts. And so if we're going to, in this taming series, we talked about the four things that we needed to tame. We said we need to tame our thoughts, right? Because however we think is going to depend on the next thing, which is what we say. We said we need to tame our tongue, right? We need to tame our thoughts, tame our tongue, because the Bible says out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. So we talked about taming our thoughts, taming our tongue, and then we called it taming our temperament which is our heart, right? Because if you have a heart-mouth connection, whatever you believe is what's going to get into your heart. And whatever's in your heart, whatever really in your heart is what you're going to say. 
And we use the example that people can say, I'm blessed and highly favored, right? That's mentally ascending from their head. But if they really believe in times of difficulty, they don't know what they're going to do, then that's what's in their head and that's what's in their heart. So what comes out of their mouth in times of trouble is not, I have all of my needs met, but what comes out of their mouth is, I don't know what I'm going to do. Why? Because there was a serial connection between this head, this mouth, and this heart, right? And so we talked about you got to tame your thoughts, you got to tame your tongue, you got to tame your temperament. And then we said you got to learn how to tame your team. You got to tame your team. If you don't learn how to tame your team, then what ends up happening is you end up maybe taming your thoughts, maybe taming your tongue maybe even taming your heart, but you hang around the kind of people who, uh, who, who say the wrong things, who do the wrong things, who live the wrong kind of way, who got the wrong kind of mentality. And then as a result of that, what ends up happening is they begin to contaminate your thoughts. They begin contaminating your heart, which then in turn gets your tongue or your mouth contaminated. And so then you end up being a mirror of what your team is. They tell you all the time, you want to see how high you can go? Look at how high your team is. Because however high your team is, that's how high you're going to go. And so we talked about in this taming series about how to tame your team. And I had the wonderful pleasure of being joined uh, during that series with Pastor Nitra. If you did not see that particular episode, I encourage you to do whatever you have to do to go and watch it. I encourage you to get the notes on it when it's available. And I encourage you to, to download this entire Ed Talk season one when you get the opportunity because it will absolutely change your life. And then we finished up the last two weeks talking about the power of vision which is important, right? Because I believe that once we walk through all of these things, then we were able to talk about what has God called me to? What has God asked me to do? Where is God asking me to do it? The Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge, not because they don't have it, but because they reject it. And so we talked about how to get that knowledge and how to get that wisdom from God so we can see not just a vision we've orchestrated from our own lives, but where does God want us to be? Uh, and I talked a little bit about how my wife and I years ago, years ago, uh, wanted so badly to move to Atlanta, but it wasn't the vision God had for our life. And I believe with everything in me that had we've been disobedient to God and we had moved to Atlanta to do our own thing. I don't even think we would probably even still be married. Certainly don't think that we would be pastoring together. And who knows, I may not even be pastoring at all, may not even be alive, who knows? And so there's power in vision, but not a self-built vision, but knowing what God has called you to. And then lastly, last week, if you were with me, we talked about how to make it through tough times, because once you start doing all of this, don't you think for one moment that the enemy is just going to say to you, oh, I'm so happy and I'm so glad that you decided to do it God's way. I'm so happy and I'm so thrilled that you are causing people around you to live better and to expect more. And I'm so excited that you're doing all this for the kingdom. No, 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 no. The Bible says that you and I have an adversary. 
We have an adversary and his job is to stop us. His job is to cause us to doubt God. His job is to cause us to doubt ourselves. His job is to make us think that everything we think is possible is impossible. And so we talked about how to make it through tough times. We talked about the fact that you can't use as an excuse that you are a Christian to somehow think you're not going to have tough times because Jesus himself says in this world, you will have troubles. You will have troubles. He says, but be of good cheer. Right. He said, don't stress, you know, don't don't be concerned. He says, because I've already overcome the world. Right. And if I've already overcome it and you're in me, you're going to overcome. You're going to have some troubles, but you're going to overcome. And so we ended last week. I asked all of you to put in the comment section, I am an overcomer. So let's start there again this week. If you're listening and if you can type in the comment section, I am an overcomer. I'm an overcomer in my health. I'm an overcomer in my finances. I'm an overcomer in my relationships. I'm an overcomer in my career. I'm an overcomer with my children. I'm an overcomer in every area of life. I'm an overcomer when it comes to witnessing. We're on this solemn surrender fast in the month of June. We're believing for massive salvations to take place. I'm an overcomer and I am a part of that. I am an overcomer. So that's the reason <laughs> that I think it's important for you if you're going to be a participant with Ed Talk that you get here and you hang in here with us because I'm telling you, just as season one was all lined out, I'm getting season two ready to take us to another level. And when we come back on July 11th, you're not going to want to miss it. Amen. So thank you guys for being here. Let's jump in to today's teaching. Let's jump in here and let's talk about what it means to harness the power of consistency. Here's what I have observed and here's what I have learned. A lot of people have a lot of starting power. But not a lot of people have a lot of sticking to it power. And so as a result, there are so many people in the body of Christ who get a word from God about a particular thing in their life. And they absolutely heard God. They absolutely heard God unequivocally about what it is that they're supposed to be doing in a particular season of their life. But because they don't understand that in this world you're going to have troubles, they quit or they shrink or they fall back at the first sign of trouble. And as a result, they never build the habit of consistency. Building the habit of consistency is the key to success. It is your key to success. And so today we want to talk a little bit about understanding what consistency is, how do we build consistency, and what are the things we need to do to make sure we're being consistent. Because if you think about this, there are organizations that are built around the idea that you will not be consistent. What do I mean? Let's just take, for instance, the health and fitness industry. Every year, every gym across the country, every gym across the country lowers their membership rate. 
They lower their membership rate and they tell you all you have to do is pay X, Y, and Z. You can pay up front and it's good for the whole 12 months. It's good for the whole 12 months if you just pay this price right now. And at the beginning of the year, everybody makes the decision that they're going to improve their health. They're going to go to the gym. They make their New Year's resolutions and they go and they sign up. The gym already knows they can oversell their memberships. If their membership capacity is 500, they can sell anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 memberships. Why? Because they know that on any given day, certain numbers of people aren't going to come to the gym. But what they also know is that by March 1, almost 35 to 45 percent of those people who signed up will never return that year. They will never return. Why? Because they lack consistency. They were excited to get started. They had good intentions. They paid somebody to meal prep. They went and got them some, some cool workout clothes. I mean, I'm talking about matching Nike, matching Adidas, matching Deodora. They had all the workout gear you could imagine. They had the headband, the sweatband. They had the water bottles. They had the monogram tile with their name on it. And all of that stuff today, on June the 13th, it's sitting somewhere in about 30 to 45 percent of those people's closet collecting dust. And then you know what? They're going to do it all again next year. Why? Because they never learned to harness the power of consistency. Am I talking right? Some of y'all right now ought to go ahead and get some of that stuff and dust it off and go ahead and either sell it or use it. Right. You ought to sell it or use it because you didn't harness that power of consistency. So let's talk about. What is consistency? Yes, I'm a teacher. So yes, I'm going to start with the working definition so that we all understand exactly what we're working with. Okay. What is consistency? Consistency is the unwavering commitment to a goal or a course of action over an extended period of time. Okay. When we talk about consistency, we ain't talking about something you do uh, in, in a day, something you do in, 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 a, in, a, in a couple of days, a week, a month, maybe even a year. We're talking about something that you set roots in for a long, extended period of time. See, I, I, I have been walking. I got, I got saved uh, in September of 1986, right? And, 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 and my walk with the Lord hadn't always been perfect, right? Right. I've been, I've been up and I've been down. I've learned some things and I forgot some things and all of those things. But the one thing that I have been consistent in since September of 1986 is that Jesus is Lord. Okay. I, no matter what was going on in my life, there has been no deviation from that. I have not even considered other options. Jesus is Lord. That is that is consistency. It is my unwavering commitment to a goal or course of action or an idea over an extended period of time. Okay. And so consistency then in, in, in involves repeatedly showing up. Okay. If you're going to be consistent about something, you got to repeatedly show up. I've been consistent in my marriage. 
You've heard Pastor Sean and I talk about some of the rough spots we had. You know, we're on marriage. We used to say 4.5. We're on marriage 5.0 now. Praise God. Somebody says, what is that? That means we have basically restarted our marriage five different times, right? But in the good times or the bad times, we kept showing up. We were committed to each other and we had consistency in that relationship. So consistency involves repeatedly showing up. What are you not repeatedly showing up to that, that, that you know that if you showed up consistently to it, it would produce the, the desired outcome that you have? You got to ask yourself, what am I not showing up for? What am I not? Why am I not harnessing the power of this thing called consistency? It involves repeatedly showing up putting in effort and staying dedicated, watch this last part, even when faced with challenges or setbacks, even when challenged with, uh, faith, with even when faced with challenges or setbacks. You got to be the kind of person who is willing to, to show up, not give up, not cave in, and not quit, okay? Consistency is the key. Consistency is the key to achieving long-term success and making significant progress in any area. If you want to look at any area of your life where you're not seeing progress, check your consistency. Check your consistency. You, you, you say you want to lose weight? Check your consistency about how you eat. Check your consistency about how you work out. You say you want to make money? Check your consistency at what you're doing with your finances. Check your spending. Check your savings. Check your consistency. You say you want to improve relationship? Check the consistency to which you take care of that relationship. Any place that you don't find consistency, watch this, you will find deterioration. Any place you don't find consistency, you will find deterioration. Something is being broken down. Something is being torn up, right? But why? Because you need to be consistent. It's interesting, you know, you can take a house and as long as you live in that house, that house stays pretty, um, you know, as long as you, I mean, it just didn't, it didn't just tear down, but you can take a house that nobody's living in. Nobody's going in, nobody's going out, nobody's doing anything to it. And before you know it, that house will begin to crumble. It'll begin to, 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 to become dilapidated. Why? Because, because it's designed to have some consistency, to have someone taking care of it. And over time, if it's being neglected, it's going to deteriorate. And that is what happens to many people's business ideas, to their relationships, to their walk with Christ, to all kinds of things in their life. It begins to deteriorate. So here becomes the question. How do we develop consistency? Well, first of all, if you're going to develop consistency in any area, it is important to start with having a clear and compelling goal a clear and compelling goal. That is the reason when anytime someone comes and they're asking me for advice, they're asking me about what they should do about a job, they're asking me what they should do about their kids, they're asking me what they should do about a relationship, they're asking me about what they should do about a move. My question always begins with what did God say? Because if you can make a decision based on what you believe God said, it gives you the ability to put down roots. And if you're going to put down roots, that is the foundation for you being able to be consistent. 
I use the example of an oak tree. If you notice, once an oak tree has put down roots, that oak tree can stay in that same spot for 100 years. That oak tree doesn't wake up on Monday and decide, well, I don't want to be beside the road anymore. I want to be in the middle of the field. It doesn't say, well, I don't want to be in the middle of the field. I want to go out into the forest. No, that oak tree, once it puts down roots, becomes consistent to the place where it is planted. And when you put down roots in the word of God, you will be able to become consistent in the thing God has planted you in. But when you don't know what God says and you're just going by your feelings, you're going by what you feel like today. You're going by what the economy says today. You're going by what the news report says today. You're going by, by, by what your friends are saying today. You know, maybe Atlanta is the great place to move to this week. Maybe it's uh, Phoenix the, ne the next year. Uh, maybe it's South Beach the year after that. And you're just bopping around wondering why nothing's working for you. Because you haven't developed consistency in God's word. The reason Fellowship of Champions, the reason Edwin Strickland, the reason Sean Strickland are thriving the way we're thriving is because when God said, don't go to Atlanta, I need you in Arkansas until I tell you otherwise, we put down roots in that word. And when you put down roots in God's word, it will help you maintain your consistency. But in order to develop consistently consistency, you have to have a clear and compelling goal. In other words, you have to know what God is saying. You have to know how God is directing you. And then once you do that, then you need to understand and define what is to be achieved and why it's important. We were like, OK, God, you told us to stay here in Arkansas. If we're going to stay in here in Arkansas, what's the purpose? What is the purpose of being here? And so then God began to help us to understand. He began to define for us what the stated objectives were supposed to be. Had we went to Atlanta, we'd have never done some of the things that we have already done here. We may not have ever started. He told us to start the scholarship in 2016 when we were in Arkansas. He told us to come to this campus when we were in Arkansas. He told us, listen, he, he positioned us so that during the pandemic, we were able to take care of so many people's needs. We were able to help so many people. We were able to bless so many people, to keep them in their homes, to keep them with food, pay cardinals, pay medical bills, get women who were in domestic violence situations removed from their residences. Listen, keep kids in school who had to come back home and and, and, and who maybe had, didn't do so well or lost their scholarships, we were able to put in uh, a second chance opportunity in those scholarship programs. We did all of that while being in Arkansas. So God says, listen, I need you to do something. And part of the time is we try to figure out why we have to do it when we should just be realizing that if God told us to do something, it's for our good. It's for our good. And then we have to learn to be consistent at the thing that he's told us to do. It, it, the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, willing. And I think most people just look at the obedient part. But he says, you got to be both willing and obedient. And he says, if you do that, then you shall eat the good of the land. And so part of my consistency is not just me showing up, but it's showing up the right way. It's showing up with the right attitude. It's showing up with the right energy. It's showing up with the right mindset. It's showing up with the right idea of why I'm there to do what it is that I've been called to do.
And then once I have a strong sense of that purpose, and once I have a strong sense of understanding and the reason behind my particular pursuit, then that thing becomes my fuel and my motivation for my consistency. Why am I, cons why, why, why am I so consistent uh, about doing this Ed Talk when in the beginning I had really no desire to be on camera? I had no desire to be doing this. Well, number one, God told me to do it. Okay, but God, why did you tell me to do it? He said, because there are some people who need to hear the practical way that you say things. And your practicality is going to help shift them in ways that even them hearing other preachers preach is not going to do it. Okay, well, then once that became my, my purpose, well, then I got on fire about it. So no matter what I was doing, no matter what I had to get done, no matter what else was going on, I didn't care if I had to stay up to two or three o'clock in the morning. I was going to study and make sure that all of my notes, that all of my talking points were, were, were constructed in such a way that I knew God had breathed on them. So that when I showed up on this camera, I wasn't wasting anybody's time and I was saying something that was going to help at least one person. That became my fuel. That became my motivation. That's why I'm willing to do a season two. I've had people say to me all the time for years that I should do something like this. And I wasn't interested in doing it. But when God said, I need you to do it for me. And when God said, if you do this, there's going to be people who are going to be blessed by it. Then that was all I needed to become my fuel and my motivation. What is the thing that God has asked you to do that you don't want to do? Remember, we did a whole teaching about moving outside of your comfort zone. So it's not about my comfort anymore. What is God asking you to do? What thing has God asked you to start? What thing has God asked you to get involved in? What thing has God asked you to be a part of that you still haven't done yet? And as a result of you not doing it, there are other people who are showing up and not receiving what they need because you aren't doing your thing. You aren't harnessing the power of consistency. Some of you aren't harnessing the power of getting started. Listen, I said all the time, I don't care, but if I don't care if nobody shows up on these broadcasts, I'm not showing up because I want 100 people, 500 people. I'm showing up to do because of what God asked me to do. And it's in that consistency that I reap, that I, that I reap my reward. Some of you stop doing things because people don't respond the right way. Well, God told me to write a book and I wrote a book and then but 10 people buy it. Maybe all that needed to hear what you had to say were those 10 people. Why minimize what happened with those 10 people? We have to stop being performance um, uh, motivated and we start to start being motivated by what it is that God is telling us to do. I'm challenging you. If there's something that you aren't doing that God has told you to do or you stopped doing it because you didn't get the likes or you didn't get the input that you thought or the support that you lost, pick that thing back up and develop some consistency. And when you develop that consistency, I am telling you, it would not only change your life, but it would change the life of everybody it was meant to touch, right? And so you have to let this thing, consistency, become your fuel and your motivation. And it has to become the thing that is necessary to help you stay committed. What God told me to do is the thing that helps me stay committed. Why am I doing this? Because God told me to. Well, why is that important? Because I love God. It's one of my unwavering commitments to do what I can do to make sure I'm pleasing him. So whatever he asks me to do, I find myself doing it. And I show up with the right attitude and the right energy. And so today I want to talk to you for just a few more moments 
Because some of you may be feeling disheartened. Some of you may be feeling frustrated. I know for a fact that some of you are feeling stuck because I talked to you during the week. And it may seem like there's nothing currently working right or going the way that you had planned in your life. But I want to let you know, just because it seems that way doesn't mean it is that way. I stopped by today to let you know that even in the face of the most severe adversity, there is still a way to maintain your consistency. And there is still a way for you to emerge from life's challenges stronger than ever before. See, life has a way of throwing curveballs at you. My wife and I sometimes call it getting sucker punched, right? You're going through life and everything is great. And then, bam, you get punched. You get hit by something that you weren't expecting. And life has a way of doing that to you. It has a way of testing our resolve and challenging our dreams. But I want to let you know that if you learn to develop consistency, when those sucker punches come, even though you may get hit, you don't get knocked out. Even though you get hit, you don't get knocked down. The Bible talks about that. It says, listen, we may be we may be being pressed on every side, but we're not perplexed. We're not cast down. God hadn't given up on us. Right. And in fact, if we learn to harness this power of consistency, it is during these challenging times that our character truly gets tested and developed. Some of you really don't know what you're made of. You don't know what you're made of because every opportunity you look for an easy way of escape. And that's just the truth. Every situation you get in, you're looking for the easy way out. You're not looking to develop a new system. You're not looking to develop a new way. You're not looking to develop a new plan. All you want to do is escape from adversity. But it is through adversity that you learn how to become better than what you were. It is the reason that coaches put athletes in situations that cause them to fail absolutely causes them to fail. Why? Because if I can cause you to fail in this controlled environment, then when the real test shows up, you already know what not to do. You already know what doesn't work. Now you can think of new things and new opportunities. And it reminds me when Pastor Sean was talking just about growing your faith. Some of you, the reason you don't grow your faith is because you don't ever go to the end of your faith. You quit, you shrink, you give up, you cave in, you quit at the first sign of adversity. You don't give God a chance to show up and show you who he is because you're looking for the path of lethal resistance. You don't harness the power of consistency. For some of you, and I ain't trying to go off on nobody, but for some of you, the only consistency you have developed is how to quit. The only consistency you've developed is how to not see it through. There's a poem that I had to learn years ago, and I love it. It says that when you're up against a trouble, you got to meet it squarely face to face. It says, plant your feet, set your shoulders, lift your chin, and take a brace. It said, if it's vain to try to dodge it, do the best that you can do. You may fail, but you may conquer. See it through. You've got to learn to see things through. If you don't see things through, then you end up creating more noise. Remember those overcoming self-limiting beliefs we talked about? Every time you quit, you create more noise for yourself. In fact, somebody ought to put this in the comment section. Say, I refuse to make more noise for myself. I refuse. I'm not going to quit and give in and cave in and quit and, and end up making more noise for myself. See, this is why I want to remind you, 
that it will be your consistency that will be the key that unlocks the doors to your eventual success and fulfillment. Now, again, I'm talking about I'm not talking about you manifesting. I'm not talking about something like that. I'm saying that when God calls you something, God has given you an innate ability. The Bible says that we've all been given a measure of faith. And so when you learn to develop that faith, how do you develop that faith? Through consistency. Think about this. The Bible says it like this. It says faith comes. Now, just, just think about this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Some translations say it like this. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God over and over and over. The Latin says it like this. It says faith comes by hearing or it says it uses the word ad infinium, ad infinitum. In other words, it means to hear without ceasing. You understand the connection between to hear without ceasing and consistency? How does faith come? Through consistency, not because I watch a 90 minute broadcast, not because I come to church once or twice, not because I hear faith one, one quarter out of the year. Faith is developed through consistency. Your muscles are developed through consistency. Learning how to love is developed through consistency. Everything that is important in your life is developed through consistency. Because consistency is that unwavering commitment to your goal, to your dream, to your outcome. It is what's going to carry you through the place. It's going to carry you to the place of victory and through the place of adversity. But it's all about you not giving up. It's all about you not caving in. And it's all about you not quitting. Listen, when it feels like nothing is working right, and nothing is going according to plan, it is crucial for each of us to be sure to hold on to our vision, to hold on to what God has told us, to hold on to the thing that God has pointed us in the direction of. We must remember that during the difficult times, while we started on this path in the first place, why did I start doing this? Why did I do this? See, it's easy to keep going when everybody's clapping for you, but what, what, what do you do when no one's clapping for you? What do you do when God says start the business and all your friends told you it was a wonderful idea and y'all had a whole lunch party? And then when it comes time to sell the products, not one of your friends bought it. What do you do then? Do you give up? Do you cave in? Do you quit? Or do you keep marching to the tune of consistency because you had a compelling reason for why you were doing it? We must learn to reconnect with the same passion and the same purpose that ignited the flame within us as we began the journey. We have to spend time visualizing the life that we desire. That's why we visualize at Fellowship of Champions massive salvation taking place. It's why we visualize prodigals coming home from the north, the south, the east, and the west. It's why we visualize healings taking place. It's why my wife and I visualize our kids living successful and living for the Lord. It's why we, even when they're not, it's why we visualize what our life will be like. Because if you don't learn to tap into the power of visualizing what life will be, it won't help you to be consistent. See, I can be consistent because I have a vision of an outcome. The person we aspire to become must be something that we visualize on a daily basis. And we have to let that vision be our guiding light in times of uncertainty. Have there ever been times, and this is just a transparent moment, and I don't know a pastor who could honestly say they haven't felt this way at some point. 
Has there not been times that I decided, you know what, this ain't what I want to do. I want to do something else. I'm tired of the folks. I'm tired of this not working. I'm tired of that not working. I'm tired of putting in this effort and not getting this back. I ain't seeing no, nothing being reciprocated. Have I had times that I felt like that? Yes. Yes, I have. Now, I have them less and less now because I've learned to harness this power of consistency. I've learned to harness this thing that says I am doing what I'm doing because God called me to and God has told me why I'm doing it. He's shown me the results of doing it. And so I'm working it, even if I don't see the results showing up, because I know that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent for anything. So I can keep going with, with a full steam of, 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 of enthusiasm and zeal because I already know what God has promised. It is my guiding light that helps me remain consistent. Hear me when I say this. Consist consistency excuse me, it's not a one-time effort. Consistency is not a one-time effort. It is a daily practice. Consistency is not a one-time effort. It is a daily practice. It means showing up even when you don't feel like it. It means putting in the work day in and day out Regardless of the immediate results that you see, you keep showing up even when you don't feel like it. You keep putting in the work day in and day out, regardless of the immediate results. It is the relentless pursuit of progress. That's what consistency is. It is the relentless pursuit of progress, no matter how small it may be, that will eventually lead to the breakthrough that you see. That is the reason I say all the time, I always study faith. I'm always studying and learning about faith. I'm always growing and becoming in my faith. The more I know, the more I want to know. I want to keep showing up even when I don't feel like reading and study about faith. Even when God's got me teaching something else to you, I'm studying about faith. It means I put in the work day in and day out, regardless of the immediate results. I've been studying faith for over the last two decades. And over the last two decades, I've had some great things happen and I've had some disappointments. But you know what I do? I keep showing up. Somebody ought to type that in the comment sections. I will keep showing up. 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 When we are faced with setbacks and when we are faced with obstacles, we have to remember that every, for every failure is simply an opportunity to learn and grow. We have to learn to embrace the challenges as stepping stones on our path to success. It is through these trials that we learn to develop. Here's my word again. I use it every week. We have to learn to develop resiliency. We have to learn to develop strength and wisdom. But you have got to become a person. If you're going to harness this power of consistency, you got to have resilience. You got to have that snapback. You got to have that ability to when things don't go your way, you don't spend a month wallowing in the fact that something didn't go your way. You get up, you let it roll off your back like water on a duck's back, and you shake that thing off and you keep going forward. You have to let adversity be the fuel that ignites your determination and fuels your motivation to keep pushing forward. Now, somebody says, well, Pastor, where do you get this from? I get it from the word of God. Because look at what Galatians 6 and 9 says in the New Living Translation, in the, in the NIV. It says, let us, watch this, not become weary 
in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Listen, he says, you got to develop resiliency. You got to develop some strength and you got to have wisdom. And the most important thing is you cannot become weary in doing the right thing. Because there's going to come a season where if you don't give up, cave in and quit the proper time, not your timing, but the proper time, the time God has ordained, you are going to reap a harvest if what? You don't give up. The Bible also says in Hebrews 10, 36, it says you need to persevere. You need to see it through. Why? So that when you have done the will of God. See, that's why it starts off with what did God say? Because once I know what God says, now I'm able to move forward and keep going even when trials and tribulations come my way. He says, I need to learn to persevere so that when I have done the will of God, I can receive what God promised. God is not promised to give a reward to those who quit. God is not required to give a reward to those who quit. The Bible talks about no man putting his hand to the plow and then turning around is even fit for the kingdom. So you cannot, <coughs> excuse me, you cannot start something and then stop and expect to receive a reward. It would be equivalent to the fact that you decided to take a contract to clean someone's apartment building. Well, you don't get the contract and then not clean the apartment building and then expect to invoice them and get paid. You don't get paid until you have done the work and you have to see it through to do the work. Understand this part of learning to remain consistent involves a couple of key elements. Number one, if you're going to be consistent, if you're going to harness this power of consistency, you got to surround yourself with a support system that believes in your potential. We talked about taming your team, so I won't spend a lot of time talking about it, but you got to have the right people around. You got to seek out mentors and friends or family members who can provide the encouragement, the guidance, and the accountability that you need. You got to share your dreams and aspirations with them, and you got to let their belief in you become a part of the foundation of your own self belief. Now, it can't be the only thing, right? It can't be the only thing. I believe in myself, but does it add fuel to the fire when my wife says she believes in me too? Yes. Does it add fuel to my fire when my tribe tells me they believe in me? Yes. Does it add fuel to my fire when my friends say they believe in me? Yes. But let's be real. If all three of those groups said they didn't believe in me and God told me I could do it, that's more than enough for me. If my wife said you can't do it, if my tribe said you can't do it, if my friend said you can't do it, but God did, God trumps all of them. But there's nothing wrong with me allowing their belief in me to become a part of that foundation. But when they stop believing, it doesn't crack my foundation because I'm rooted, remember, in what God told me. The second thing you got to learn to do, I don't think a lot of people do this enough. I used to not do this at all. And you got to learn how to do this. And that is celebrate the small victories in your life. You got to celebrate along the way. You know, again, Pastor John was talking about growing your faith yesterday in strategies for success. Listen, your faith today may, shouldn't be what your faith is going to be next year. But that don't mean you can't celebrate what you were able to believe for today. Maybe you can believe today for a headache to be healed. But next year, maybe you can believe for cancer to be healed. You celebrate them both. The Bible says, though your beginnings be small, 
your latter end shall greatly increase. That should be true about your faith, too. In fact, somebody go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say I'm growing and becoming. <coughs> I'm growing and becoming. Go ahead and type that. I'm growing and becoming. And as you grow and become, then you have a reason uh, to continue to be excited about the thing that God has called you to. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 11, it says, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. You should always be enthusiastic about what God has called you to. He says, and keep that same spiritual fever serving the Lord. Okay? So, so whatever the Lord has called you to do, be excited about it six months from now as you are today as you got started. Be excited about that. Don't let it slip. Stay excited. The Bible tells me in Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and a plan to give you a future and a hope. That's important. Why? Because we have to remember that success is not a straight line. Success is not a straight line. It is filled with ups and it's filled with downs. It's filled with twists and it's filled with turns. However, it is in the face of adversity that the true champions learn to rise. It is in times of doubt that we turn inward and we tap into that inner strength of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. That is the reason I tell people all the time, you, you can't make it without the Holy Spirit. You got to learn to tap into that inner part of you that is more than human, that is supernatural in times of adversity. You have to learn to believe in yourself and in your abilities as God has, has, has described them to you. You have to know that you are capable of overcoming any obstacle that comes your way. Listen, <clears throat> when I say that, I'm not being braggadocious. The Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so when I say that I can overcome any obstacle that comes my way, I am saying in Christ, I can overcome any obstacle that comes my way because I am in Christ. If you are not in Christ, I, I implore you, I beseech you, I beg of you to get in Christ, to become saved through the power of God and that you allow him to give you for not only forgiveness of your sins, but the power and wisdom to live a heavenly life here on earth. See, in times of doubt, we have to learn to turn inward. We have to learn to trust in God who has given us the resiliency and the power that we need to live out our greatest potential. We have to believe that God has destined us for greatness. We have to believe that God is our God, that God wants what's best for us. That's why we read over there again in Jeremiah 29 and 11. He says, for I know the thoughts that I have. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and, to, and, and not to harm you and to give you a future and a hope, to give you a future and a hope. And so you have to understand God wants what's best for us, but he needs our participation. We have to partner with God. We have to be consistent in the things we've been given charge over. We have to learn <clears throat> to stay the course. We got to keep pushing forward. We have to maintain our consistency, even when it seems like nothing is working. Right now, we have to understand and know that each effort we put in is a building block. Every time we show up, it's a building block. Every time we work out, 
it's a building block. Every time we trust God for the next, it's a building block. And it's building our bridge toward our success. And so, again, I'm beseeching you. I'm begging you. I am pouring you. If you don't know Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, today is a day you should make that right. Because none of this stuff works. None of the things I've talked about from episode one until today, episode 13, means anything. If you don't know Christ in the pardon of your sins, because everything I'm talking to you about comes out of his word. OK, it comes out of his word. You have to trust in the vision that God is giving you. You have to harness that inner strength. You have to surround yourself with the right support system <clears throat> that believes in you. You have to maintain your consistency and you have to let it be the force that propels you toward the life that you desire. And you have to let it propel you toward the life that God has called you to. You've got to learn to harness the power of consistency. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Working as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So whatever I'm going to do, I've got to do it with all my heart. I got to put some consistency in this thing. How can I be consistent? Because I'm not working for your approval. Heck, I'm not working for my approval. I am doing whatever I'm doing as unto the Lord. Okay, as unto the Lord. So here are some strategies to help you stay consistent, even when the results aren't apparent. Okay, we'll finish up with this. <sighs> Going a little longer today, but some of that was recap. So we'll go a little longer. If you have to hop off, you hop off. You can come back and listen to the replay. But I want, I want to share these with you because I think it's important. Here are some strategies to help you stay consistent. Number one, you got to set realistic expectations. Now, I know people don't like that. They say, well, if I'm in faith, why am I talking about realistic? Well, there's some things you can and some things you can't be in faith for. You can't be in faith that you're going to, have intercourse with your spouse, get pregnant tonight and had a baby this afternoon. That's not how it works. So you have to set realistic expectations, meaning you have to understand that progress takes time and effort. Okay. If you've been spending the last 50 years not being consistent, you may not be consistent in every single area tomorrow morning. So give yourself some grace. Figure out the areas you need to develop consistency in and then set you some realistic goals. A realistic goal may be I'm going to read my Bible. Uh, instead of saying I'm going to read my Bible seven days a week, I'm going to read my Bible five days a week or four days a week. And then get consistent over that and then start to increase. OK, I'm going to spend time in prayer <clears throat> an hour a day. OK, an hour a day. Or, or 15 minutes a day, whatever you need to start with, but then you build on that consistency. So you need to set realistic expectations, set achievable goals. Don't set the goal so low that it doesn't take any effort to get there, but set it so that it pushes you to get there, but that it is obtainable. Don't be like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation all day tomorrow. I'm going to read the whole Bible tomorrow. You're not going to get any any understanding out of that. You're not going to get any revelation out of that. So, so set realistic goals that align with your abilities and the timeline required for those results. I'm 51 years old. 
<clears throat> and if the Lord, you know, I, if the Lord says to me, okay, I want you to go and I want you to become a world-class track athlete in the 100-meter dash, okay, if the Lord said do that, then, yeah, I could do it, but I'm going to have to work at it. I'm not going to go out there tomorrow unless the power of God gets on me like it did the man in the chariot, the, and I out, go out there and start outrunning chariots. Chariots. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so I got to set some realistic goals. So maybe my goal is the first 100 meters I run in 20 seconds. Okay. And then maybe I can try to get down to 15 seconds. And then maybe I can try to get down to 13 seconds. And as long as I'm increasing, right, I I'm doing the right thing. But you got to set realistic expectations. And then number two, the thing that a lot of people just don't do, learn to focus on the process. So many people are just focused on the destination. Focus on the process. God's given us an idea and an insight of what he wants us to do to, to, to really take our ministry to a place that we saw back in 2001. And, 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 and he's just now really giving us the full picture of kind of how to get that done. Well, I'm not going to be so focused on the outcome that I'm not focused on the process. When I focus on the process, what I do is I shift my attention from the outcome of a thing to the daily actions and habits I need to be taking that lead me to the outcome. I'm focused on, on, on Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday will take care of themselves. It doesn't mean I don't plan. It doesn't mean I don't have a, a project map. Well, what it does mean is I don't just get so focused on the fact that God said it's going to look like this, and now I'm disgruntled every day because I don't see what God has said. I focus on the process. I have to learn to concentrate on my consistency, putting in the effort rather than fixating on immediate results. So I need to focus on the process. That helps me to remain consistent. Number three, I then track that progress. What do I mean I track that progress? <clears throat> I keep a record of my activities. I keep a record of my milestones. I keep a list of the things I need to improve on, no matter how big or how small they may seem. I document what needs to be done next while celebrating what I've accomplished. People laugh because I have a things to do list. But when I have a things to do list every day and I, knock, and I knock those things off my things to do list, I feel accomplished. That accomplishment helps me to fuel what I need to get done the next day. If I sat down on a Sunday and wrote out everything I need to do for the whole entire week, that can become overwhelming. So I look and I say, what are the immediate tasks I need to work on for Monday, right? If I'm doing this on Sunday, which I do, what do I need to do on Monday? What are all, or what are the major things I need to get done this week? And then how do I, how do I task those out? Do I get to do what I need to do on Monday? What's my, what's my green things I need to get done on Monday? Okay. What are the yellow things that I need to get done on Monday? And then what are the red things that, I, that on Monday, if I don't do, will impact everything else I have to do during the rest of the week? And so I plan those things out. Do surprises happen? Sure they do. Does my schedule get off? Sure they do. But you know what I get done every day? Those red things. You know what one of those red things is? Pray in the Holy Spirit for an hour a day. I have tracked those things that I personally need to do. And then at the end of the day, when I get through, I feel great about me because I've done the things that are necessary for me to be successful. Some of you feel bad about yourself because you ain't did nothing. 
You ain't did nothing all day except running around with your hair on fire, trying to put out fires and worried about everybody else and not taking care of yourself and not being consistent over the things that you said God told you to be consistent about. So track your progress. Number four, you got to find your own intrinsic motivation. Listen, if you can't do nothing without somebody clapping for you, you in a bad shape. If you can't do anything without somebody telling you how awesome and how wonderful you are, and I use the word like this, so I'm going to say it, without somebody blowing sunshine up your behind, if that's the only way that you're going to be able to do anything, you're going to be in a sad, pitiful little shape. You have to learn to find your own intrinsic motivation. You have to look beyond external rewards. Stop looking for likes. Stop looking for claps. Stop looking for pats on the back and find your own internal reason to stay committed. Identify the underlying purpose and passion that drives you, reminding yourself of why you even started in the first place. Be motivated. Be motivated to do what you are called to do without having to do it unless somebody is clapping for you. My goodness. Number five, the thing you have to know is anytime you learn something new, you're going to have to embrace the learning curve. There's always a learning curve to new learning. What is the new learning? Learning to be consistent. We're talking about harnessing the power of consistency. Some of you are going to have to learn to be consistent. You're going to have to recognize, right, <clears throat> that setbacks and plateaus are a natural part of any journey. There are going to be some highs, some lows, and sometimes where you just plateau and level off. But instead of viewing those times as failures, see them as opportunities to learn and grow and, and, and refine your approach. And we're going to talk about this a little later, but you got to be able to refine your approach. Maybe what you're doing right now isn't the way that, that it's going to be working a month from now. So embrace the learning curve. Every time you have to do something new, stop whining about it. Stop complaining about it. Stop talking about how hard it is and always oh, me. Listen, you can do hard things. Those of you that are still on here with me, go ahead and type that. Say, I can do hard things. I can do hard things. You can embrace the learning curve. You can see things having to do new things as new opportunities. You can harness the power of consistency. And then number six, you got to seek support and accountability. We talked about this. Surround yourself with supportive individuals who can encourage and motivate you during your challenging times. I'm not trying to minimize the fact. I know my wife has told me more than a thousand times, everybody's not built like you. I get it. Everybody's not built like me. So I always include something like this. Make sure that you have the ability, make sure you have the ability to seek support and accountability. Have some people around you who can help you. But I'm telling you, you should not be dependent on those people. There's nothing wrong with having an accountability partner. But if you trying to lose weight and your accountability partner, you know, has a BMI of 19 and you have a BMI of 30, if they don't want to go to a gym one day, that don't mean you should take a day off. You got to have your own intrinsic motivation that says I'm doing this for me and I appreciate those who will hold me accountable. But if nobody holds me accountable, I got to hold myself accountable. So seek their support, seek their accountability, but don't let it be the only support and accountability for you.
Because if you don't do it for you, it ain't worth doing, right? You share your goals with them. You ask them for their help and holding you accountable. But your commitment is to you. Your commitment is to you. When I decide to, 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 to ride my bike, when I decide to, to walk, I don't need nobody to walk with me. I don't need nobody to ride with me. If someone wants to, that's fine. But, but, but I don't need to be like, well, I ain't got nobody to walk with me today. You got two legs, don't you? Walk. I don't need nobody to ride a bike with me. I got a bike, don't I? Ride. So you got to learn to stop waiting on other people to come and do for you when you know you need to be doing it for yourself, okay? And then they talked, I talked about number seven a little bit with number five. I said you had to refine your approach. Number seven, you got to be willing to adjust your approach. My wife says it like this. You got to be committed to the outcome, da 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 but flexible in your approach. You heard that many, many times, I'm sure. You got to be willing to adjust your approach. If you are not consistently seeing results, why on earth are you still doing the same thing? The, 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 the DSMV, whatever number, calls that insanity. To keep doing the same thing, expecting to see a different result. So if you're consistently not seeing results, it may be worth reevaluating re your strategies and adjusting your approach. Now, I'm not talking about the things of God. I ain't talking about you saying, well, I've been fasting and praying and tithing and that hasn't worked. So now I'm going to go over here with Glenda and be a good witch. No, I ain't talking about that. I ain't talking about you out here now want to do numerology and now you want to go over here and read tarot cards and now you want to go over here and, and, and play with crystals and, and drink moon water. No, I ain't talking about that. I'm saying be willing to adjust your approach. For instance, some of you who sent me your resumes, I sent you back the corrections and the things I thought you should do differently to your resume. Be willing to make the changes. Some of you, I was like, you got to apply for more jobs in this. For some of you, I told you, you're never going to make six figures in this field unless you become an owner. You're not going to be a worker in this field and make six figures. You need to become an owner. How can you possibly own something that's like what you're doing right now? You got to be willing to adjust your approach, not walk away from God. Those are not the same things. And I have to be crystal clear on that because people nowadays, you think they have common sense or God-given sense, and they just simply don't. They, they, they just don't in some cases. I'm not saying you don't. I'm saying somebody you might share this with don't. And so I want to be clear that I am not talking about doing something other than what the word says. But there are times that you need to analyze what's working and what isn't. And you got to be open to making those necessary changes while staying consistent in your effort, even though the approach may change, even though the approach may change. The way we reach the lost in this generation is different than when we reach the lost in previous generations. What do I mean? In the church, it used to be very commonplace to go and knock on people's doors and ask them if they know Christ. Well, nowadays you look in the news and somebody who looks like me going and knocking on somebody's door could get me shot through the door. So, no, I'm going to change my approach and how I am. But I'm not changing my my consistent effort in wanting to see people come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Amen.
Then number eight, I talked about this, celebrate your small victories. No matter how small they are, you got to celebrate yourself along the way. It's the thing that keeps you going. Acknowledge and celebrate milestones, no matter how small they may be, and then recognize your progress, even if it's incremental. And most of the time, it will be incremental. Most of you aren't, some of you may, but most of you aren't going to go from making $30,000 a year to making $8.6 million a year. It, some, it, it's going to be incremental. Okay. Some of you, it may happen for you that way. Um, but, but for the majority of people, your increase is going to be incremental. So celebrate that. Celebrate when, Pastor and I, we laugh. We celebrate when we, we, we used to have more month than we had money. And we kept going and doing the things God told us to do. And then we had as much month as we had money. And we kept doing and doing the things. Now we have more money than we have month. Praise God. And we kept going. And so now we 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 in a place where we got some some savings built up for 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 months and years. Right. But well, the reality of that is, is that that did not happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. But now we can look at where we are and go, praise God for our obedience. Praise God for our consistency. When our families were even telling us, y'all ought to save that money instead of sowing that money and giving that money away. You could have a whole lot more. No, we couldn't have. If we took every dime we ever sold and every dime we ever gave and put it together with what we have now, it wouldn't equal what we have now. Because God's been that good to us. So celebrate your small victories. And then lastly, number nine, practice patience and persistence. Remember that success is rarely immediate and is rarely a straight line. Stay patient, stay persistent, continuing to put in the work consistently. There is nothing wrong with putting in effort. I tell young kids all the time, the only place you will ever find success before work is in the dictionary. Work will always precede success. And you got to learn that there's nothing wrong with putting in work. That is not a dirty four-letter word. There is nothing wrong with work. And you got to work consistently, even when the results may not be immediate or even when they may not be visible. Consistency is oftentimes and most oftentimes the key to achieving long-term results. Okay? And if you want to if you want to achieve long term results, then you got to learn how to harness the power of consistency, because it's by staying committed to your goals and maintaining consistent effort when results aren't immediate that you are able to increase your chances substantially, increase your chances substantially of reaching the desired outcomes that you hope for in your future. Amen. Listen, I appreciate those of you who stayed with me, but I wanted to make sure I got that teaching in here as it is our last Ed Talk of season one. Listen, again, I told you I'm putting together uh, all 13 of these podcasts. They will come with each of my uh, teaching notes and some of my thinking notes along with them so that as you go back and you listen, um, you can take your own notes on my notes. You can change it up. I want this to become so prevalent in your life. It sounds like you're teaching it. And, and if you're if you can teach this to people uh, who I'll never reach, I, I'm more than happy to allow you the opportunity to do that. And so for those of you who who just like to study, for those of you who say, you know, all oh, these come on at noon and I'm at work, I can't get them all or I don't know where to go to get them. I'm going to have them in a centralized place. And you'll be able to access all 13 episodes, all 13 teaching notes, 
and you'll be able to review them as often as you want um, and, and teach them as often as you need. Um, the only thing I ask is that you do it um, with fidelity. Don't be adding no witchcraft and no manifestation and moon water and crystals and all that stuff to the things that I have taught because this came from uh, the Lord. This came from the word, uh, from the mouth of God. Um, and so I want you guys to be blessed by it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I do want to remind you that today is Tuesday and uh, our, our couple of announcements we do have uh, that will be coming up. We have Wednesday night uh, corporate prayer. Uh, that's going to be happening uh, at 7 p.m. tomorrow night, 7 p.m. tomorrow night. And then after that, uh, we are going to have refresh Bible study, uh, refresh Bible study, which I believe is at 8 p.m. Um, will be uh, it's, it's available at 8 p.m. And so join us tomorrow, corporate prayer, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, and I believe Minister Chandra is teaching Bible study uh, on tomorrow. So come back and join us as Minister, Minister Chandra. Um, I call it Pastor Chandra, but I call it Minister Chandra will be teaching uh, on Wednesday night. You don't want to miss it. Again, stay connected to the word, right? Consistency is key. You can't grow uh, dipping in, in, in dabbing in the word. you got to immerse yourself in the word in the same way that the U.S. Army, the U.S. Navy, U.S. Air Force and U.S. Marines take people from civilian life and immerse them into uh, military life, right? And they want to make sure that they understand how that works. You need to be immersing yourself in God's word. Amen. All right. Love you guys so much. Uh, you have a blessed day. Uh, those of you who have joined, if you didn't tell us where you were watching from, go ahead and make sure you tell me where you are watching from. And we will see you uh, Wednesday at seven when it's time to pray. Amen. God bless you.